The following audio is from Shiloh Presbyterian Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. More information about Shiloh Presbyterian Church is available at shilohopc.org. Well, as you turn in your scriptures, please turn to Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 10 and 11. And as we read that, think of the words you've just sung, the soul that all hell should endeavor to shake. I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. Thanks be to God for his good word there. The word of God is Ephesians 6, verses 10 and 11. Let's give our attention then to his word. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, give unto us now all that we need. Give me words. Give us ears to hear. We confess without you, we can do nothing, and our need for you is complete. Supply all our needs now to your great glory and to our encouragement, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, we come to Paul's concluding exhortations in the book of Ephesians, and uh, we know it's concluding not just because it's towards the end of the book, but he says at the start of our verse, finally, finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. His concluding exhortations provide the greatest possible encouragement to the Christian, the greatest possible encouragement. We're living in an age of great darkness, and we know that the remnant of indwelling sin still wars within us. We know how hard it is, do we not, to live holy and upright lives, eminently practical. But Paul says, deals with this right here, right in this moment, and every moment of our lives And in this quest for holiness, Paul is going to direct us back to the true source of our strength, the true source of our holiness. It is God himself. He says, finally. And there's a sense in which these two verses here tonight not only serve as a preface of what is to come, the whole armor of God, but really are predicated upon the whole of the epistle thus far. He says finally, because we know in this epistle he has laid out for us the glorious truths of God and his character and the glorious truths of the salvation that God has wrought in each one of his children. And and Paul has then dealt with the practical application of those truths in our lives. To this point, he says, bearing all that in mind, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. It is not our strength. It is not our strength that we seek to stand fast or to be sanctified by. It's not our strength that we seek to bring to bear upon ourselves that will conform us to the image of Christ. God is the power behind our standing. God is the power behind our holiness 
And this is not just some theoretical fancy. He has given us means, practical means by which his power may be manifested in our lives even this very night. He says, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. But then he also tells us, put on the whole armor of God. Great power, great armor, great resources available for the Christian to continue to fight daily, daily, daily for the Christian to stand firm. It's a great desire this night to hear of this great power at work for each one of us, at work in each one of us, that we might stand firm, that we might pursue that holiness before the Lord. Verse 10 is quite simple, the command to be strong in the Lord. There we find our strength in him. Verse 11 is about putting on the whole armor of God, the means by which we will enjoy God and that great strength available to us. Paul says, first of all, be strong in the Lord's great might. Be strong in the Lord's great might. We have two commands in these verses, be strong in the Lord and put on the whole armor of God. You'll notice the command of verse 11, 10 is not like the command of verse 11, at least in its form. The form of the command, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, is curious and informative. It's different. Uh, Paul doesn't start with a do not style of command, the style of the Ten Commandments. He gives us a positive command, a positive command, but normally positive commands are do this, do that. Something that is our duty, uh, our responsibility, uh, something of the normal course of action of our lives. But the form of the command, both in Greek and in English, of the command in verse 10 is really at the heart of the Christian life. It's at the heart of the Christian life. It's at the heart of the doctrine of sanctification. It's at the heart of our relationship with Almighty God. The commandment's form is this be strong in the Lord. Or as one person translated, be strengthened in the Lord. The curious nature of this command is its form is that it's a passive command. Be strong. Be strong or be strengthened. What does that mean? Normally you give a command to someone and perhaps a biblical command would be run the race. Run the race. You do it. You are the subject of that verb. Run the race. It's your calling, your duty. You must do it. Not here. The verb here is passive. Be strengthened. That is to say someone else is doing the strengthening in you. Someone else is acting the verb. So we see that in Scripture elsewhere, don't we? We see the one who says, be warmed and be filled yet does nothing to warm or fill the person, they cannot be warmed or be filled. But if I provided you with a banquet and a roaring fireplace by which to eat that banquet and said to you, be warmed and be filled, it would be very evident that I am supplying the things that you need to fulfill that command. 
Paul says, be strong, be strengthened. Being strengthened is the call for the Christian to find his strength and sustenance in someone other than himself. A command that comes to us to do what? To look outside of ourselves and be strong in who? In the Lord. The fundamental action of strengthening here lies not with the Christian, but with God Almighty, the Lord himself. Be strong in the Lord. The second part of the verse makes it clear, and in the strength of his might. That's where our strength is going to lie. And we're called not only to be strong in the Lord, we're called to be aware that it's he that makes us strong. And we're thus called to be strengthened by the means he gives us to be strong. The form of the command is this, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might situates the Christian at the center of almighty, irrepressible power. It situates the Christian at the center of almighty, irrepressible power. It tells us the power on offer is not a power of our own. And when we can acknowledge that, that we are not strong in ourselves then we can be strengthened in a manner which far surpasses our ordinary abilities. That's important. When we acknowledge that we are to be strong in the Lord, we are understanding that there is a strength available to each one of us as children of God, which far surpasses our natural abilities, even on our very best day. That's to say, in the context of holiness, striving for holiness, in the context of standing firm, and we'll see the phrase stand firm several times in the text before us, Christian, you are not to delude yourself into thinking that you are the source of your own strength. You are to utilize a strength far, far beyond you. And that strength is available. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. It's very clear, friends. It's the Lord's strength in view, not our own. Spurgeon describes it this way. The vigor of a man's arm is derived from the strength of his body. It is only as members of Christ's body that we have either life or power. It is not we that live, but Christ that liveth in us. And the strength which we have is not our own, but his. When we are weak, then we are strong. When most empty of self, we are most full of God. That's the paradigm at play here. When we are weak, when we've emptied ourselves of all pretenses to power and strength and perseverance and standing fast, when we've said, Lord, I have no resources of my own, then we are strong. Consider this. When Paul says, finally, Paul is really summoning everything he's written, especially in the first three chapters. He's summoning everything he's written in the book of Ephesians about the great character of God 
and the great salvation that he has worked in our lives and applies it down into this verse. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in his character. Be strong in what he has done. What has God done for us, according to Paul? Chapter 1, verse 3, he's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Verse 4, we find out that he's elected us in Christ. Verse 5, he's adopted us in Christ. Verse 7, he's forgiven all our sins. Verse 11 of chapter 1, he's granted us an inheritance. Verse 13, the Christian has been sealed with the Holy Spirit. We jump some verses to chapter 2, verse 4. We read of the God who is rich in mercy and great in love towards us. That's the God, verse 6, who has raised us up in Christ. Verse 7 and 8, he says we have been saved. Verse 14, Christ himself is our peace. So that verse 21, we belong to Christ And verse 22, we are being made a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 3, God's grace is being revealed to us and in us. So much so that Paul prays this remarkable prayer. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power, through his Spirit, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And we could go on and on and on from Ephesians and the rest of Scripture about the character of God and the character of the salvation he has wrought for us. Paul says now in chapter 6, verse 10, finally, if you're looking for power, if you're looking for strength, if you're looking for grace, mercy, peace, every spiritual blessing, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. That's where you'll find it all the triune God, who has done these remarkable things. If you want to walk in the paths of holiness, if you want to persevere when times are hard, if you want to withstand the schemes of Satan, know your God and know what he's done for you. Think also of the incomparable power of this God that we are to find our strength in. William Hendrickson says, this is the God who created the heavens and the earth, at whose presence the mountains tremble and the rocks melt. The Jordan River is driven back and the cedars of Lebanon are broken in pieces and the forests stripped bare. That's our God. We're talking, friends, about incomparable greatness working in you and on your behalf that we may stand firm. Do we hear what Paul is saying to us? Reckon God's almighty power to be very operative in your personal life. The almighty power of God to be operative in your life. 
the powers available to you are not merely human. They're not even of the level of of the spiritual realm upon which Satan exists. And we saw what Satan can do with his great power in the life of Job. We're not even at that level. The powers available to us exist at a level altogether different to Satan and his demons. We are talking about the power that brought Satan into existence, that rules over Satan, that gives him permission to go here and there to touch this person and not that person. We cannot doubt this. Calvin writes, you have no right to reply that you have not the ability for all that I require of you is be strong in the Lord. It's not some distant power or some power that only the special people amongst us, whoever they might be, can attain to. You don't need some sort of special extra-Christian knowledge to have this power, to know this power. It is available to every Christian because this power is in every Christian. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The spirit of truth dwelling in you. And this strength is present in each one of us. And by God's grace, gradually growing in influence in our lives. The Spirit's work in us, in both knowing this power and living according to this power, the Spirit's work in each Christian is piecemeal. Little by little by little by little, building slowly, day after day, year after year. One of the greatest things the Spirit has ever done in your life, if you are a Christian, is change the inward motions of your heart. That's staggering. When you consider natively how selfish, self-centered, self-obsessed each one of us was, and the world lives according to this pattern, the Spirit has come into your life and changed your heart That's power unimaginable. And there's not one of us in this room who can do it. Just the spirit of truth. You see, it's not just a resistance exercise in standing fast. It's not just a stand and fight. Perhaps the most encouraging thing we can say and I think we can use the words of John Newton, his famous quotation. He said this, I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I want to be. I am not what I hope to be in another world. But still, I am not what I once used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. Isn't that remarkable? the desire for greater fidelity, greater faithfulness, but the recognition, but still, I am not what I once used to be. That's the change in the Christian and the continued change in 
the Christian. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's the calling to each one of us. Be strong in the Lord, not your own strength. Don't face the challenges of life on your own. You know that's a train wreck waiting to happen. Be strong in the Lord. Friends, this call to be holy, this call to perseverance, the call to stand firm is that we find our strength in Almighty God. He is at work in us, presently and continuously, until he calls us unto himself. The command is passive. Be strong. Be strong. And it's passive because we're being called to run to Christ, to run to God, to that immeasurable power that belongs to us. But that passive command is paired with an active command. Put on, or which could read, you put on, the whole armor of God. There is a passive command to be strong and an active command. In other words, make use of the means God has given you by which you will be made strong. That's what the put on the whole armor of God is about. We'll come to that armor in the coming weeks. But that is the means that God has given us, that we will know the strength of God at work in us. Verse 11 is something very much given for us to do. Of course, by the grace of God, no doubt, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. If I can put it somewhat crudely, by putting on the armor of God, we are to plug ourselves in to the great strength and almighty power that is on offer to us as Christians. And the command of verse 11 is in two parts, the command and the effect, or the command and the purpose. Put on the whole armor of God, here's the purpose clause, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The command has a goal, an object, to the end that we might stand to stand against the scheming of our great enemy, Satan, and all those who work with him. It's a strenuous battle to which we are called, friends, and the need to stand firm is imperative. In fact, Paul is obsessed with this idea of standing firm. Look at verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Look again at verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Look at verse 14. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Four times in as many verses, Paul says, stand, stand, withstand, and stand. Stand against. Stand against the enemy. Paul's desire, the Spirit's desire, friends, this night is that you hear that, that you know the duty to stand fast. Paul would not see you as a casualty of this spiritual war, one who betrays 
the faith and turns his back on it, one fallen in this battle, or one simply given up because of the cares of the world, stand firm. Consider the means God has given. We're going to go through them in detail in the coming weeks. But Paul says there is an armor available to the Christian. Put on the whole armor of God. Three things I want to say about this armor tonight. First of all, the fact that there is an armor available. There is armor available. That is to say, there are means by which we will be preserved, by which we will, we will be kept, by which we will be sanctified, by which we will foil the attacks of the evil one upon our lives. And Paul likens those means to armor, a defensive idea, which means we are to be equipped for attack. We are to dress in armor to prevent the attack. Paul says that God has ordained and provided a way, a means, whereby the attacks of Satan and the world and the flesh will be foiled in your life. That's to say, friends, when we see Christians deconverting or whatever the phrase is today, when we see them failing to stand fast, one thing we can say amongst other things about them, they've not made use of God's armor. They've trusted in their own strength and they've been undone. Whatever stated rationale or reason for their deconversion is given, we can say this, they have not made use of the armor of God. That's the first thing, friends. There is an armor. The second thing is the nature of that armor. It is divine. Put on the whole armor of God. It is a divine armor granted to us because no mere human armor can withstand the schemes of Satan. It's a divine armor which far surpasses the attacking capabilities of Satan. We have a divine provision given to us to ward off Satan and all his attacks in our life. And the third thing we can say about this armor, it is effective. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The purpose clause makes it clear. You wear this armor, whatever it is, we'll see in the coming weeks. You wear this armor, you will stand. You will stand against all the schemes, the plotting, the lies of Satan. You see, the stated effectiveness of this armor is derived from what? It's divine nature. There is an armor. It's the armor of God. It is effective in our lives. Friends, we have to ask ourselves the simple question, do we want this protection in our lives? Do you want the Lord's resources available to you? The first thing we would say, if there's any here tonight who don't know Christ, who don't profess him as Lord and Savior, you know nothing of this. And we would have you know it. We would have you possess Christ as Savior. We would have you possess the strength of the Lord. We would have you possess the armor of God. We would not have you fall to the subtle attacks and schemes of Satan. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and all this shall be yours. Do we want this protection? The resources available to us as Christians are incomparable. It's there for us if we want it. We make use of it according to the means God has given. It's a call for each one of us to disciple ourselves, disciple our families if we're in positions of authority, seek to equip ourselves and our families, those about us, with this kind of knowledge and truth that we may withstand and they also may withstand the schemes of the devil. But friends, I wouldn't simply simply have you think that we are to put on this armor and maintain a constant state of defensiveness, that our posture to Satan must be, come and do your worst, we'll get through finally. We're not just holding out against wickedness until that final day when Christ comes, because the Christian is also called to be offensive attacking. And Paul speaks in like manner as he has in Ephesians 6, just a couple of pages back in your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says in in Ephesians, put on the whole armor of God, there's your defensive material. But in 2 Corinthians, he says, pick up your weapons, be offensive, be attacking. Listen to this remarkable passage. For though we walk in the flesh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3, though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. I think it's a reference to the Day of Judgment. But Paul says, until then, you have weapons. They're not of the flesh, they're divine. And they break down strongholds. In fact, the weapons are the parallel to the armor in their description. First, Paul says there are weapons. Just as there was armor for us to utilize, there are also weapons. It implies we are to be offensive, attacking. I don't mean offensive as in foolish and loose with our tongues. No, we are to be on the offensive. We are to identify his weaknesses. We are to identify his failures, the lies he spreads, the arguments he puts forward. When he says good is evil and evil is good, we are to be ready to disarm that. There are weapons available. But secondly, like the armor, these weapons are also divine. Did you hear that? Verse 3. Though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power. God has equipped us both to defend and attack the enemy and to break down his strongholds. We're talking about the gospel. We're talking about the truth. We're talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives, which reveals the darkness and grants us to be the light. And the third thing we see, like the armor, these weapons are also effective. Did you hear their description? What they can do? 
For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Wow. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Isn't that staggering, friends? I think it puts us in a different mind, does it not, that we're, we're not simply just waiting to get through this world. There's a job to be done here and now. And it can be done in, in, in many different ways, in many different settings, but chiefly in each one of us. The picture here, dear Christian, is of a battle. At times defending with the armor of God, at times attacking with divine weapons which cast down strongholds. Thus, by weapons and by armor, we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Can you imagine your, our spiritual health if we attacked and resisted with the kind of resolve spoken by Paul? Can you imagine the spiritual health you would enjoy if you realized more frequently that the armor and weapons that we possess are God's own gift to us? Can you imagine the spiritual health and joy you would experience if your lives resisted the lies of culture, the gossip of the world, the false doctrine of false teachers? Can you imagine our spiritual health if we resisted the deceptions of our own flesh, that we use the whole armor of God and the weapons of God to disarm the sin that remains within us. Friend, it's very clear, is it not? The fight against sin and wickedness happens without us and within us. But friends, that battle is not in vain, and nor is it powerless. Nor is it powerless. Because the Apostle Paul tells us this very clearly. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may stand against the schemes of the devil. God grant us grace to do this very thing. Let's pray. Equip us, Lord God, by your almighty power, by the eternal spirit. Now may we know, Lord God, what it is to live in the light of that great power. Lord, if there be any here this night that know you not, work in them. Work in them that saving faith. And Lord, if there are any of us who are cast down and discouraged by the apparent failure of our lives, to do battle against sin. Lord, encourage them this night. Encourage us all. Write on our hearts, Lord God, that our strength is not our own, that the battle has been won and the battle will be won. 
Encourage us to walk in the ways of righteousness this night and forevermore after, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.